0: Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, everybody. Tonight, I have a guest who I've known for a really long time. Um... You know, I don't even remember. I think it was 1997, 96 when I met Gina Vantuno. Um and she is a good friend of my wife Renee, and that is how I met Gina. And we have been friends ever since. So, welcome to the podcast, Gina.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Um so this is typically a podcast about, you know, people in recovery or something like that, but Part of my goal is to bring other people into the fold and really show people how to live their lives fully. And there is maybe nobody that I know that lives a more full life than you. Um, so I can't wait to get into that stuff later. But if okay. you could um, just kind of walk people through like you're, you're growing up, because I met you, we were probably like 18, 19 when we met somewhere around there. So yeah getting a little bit of your backstory would be really interesting for me. And then, you know, it would give us a good jumping off point.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I almost want to dive into like a Dr. Evil. (laughs) I won't do that though. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, my, my childhood was typical. Uh, (laughs) Born and raised in New Jersey. Um, youngest of three older brother and sister, Um, yeah, I had, I mean, my, my boyfriend always says that anytime I share a story with him about my childhood, he says, you had like a Norman Rockwell kind of upbringing. Um, and I and I think I kind of did. I mean, I, I, I know I was, I was very blessed. I was very lucky. I, you know, really supportive, loving parents. And, um, it was, it was, it was a little tough being, youngest because my brother and sister uh were about like 13 months 14 months apart Mm -hmm. and uh, I was like born five five and a half years after them so I think I spent a lot of my childhood trying to catch up to them and be noticed by them which might be why I do a lot of things okay (laughs) possibly um but yeah no I uh I I had um my, my parents always encouraged us to try as many things as possible, you know, because you never know what you're going to really love. You never know what kinds of seeds you're planting. Um, and, I, and I really took that very literally. Uh, I, I really, you know, I played sports. I was involved in music and church, choir. Um, that's where I met Renee at church. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just, you know, really trying to try the scary things, which, uh, I feel like I'm doing a lot of now. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just, you know, being well-rounded and seeing what I enjoy. I wasn't very good at a lot of the things that I did. (laughs)
0: Well, there were things that you were really good at, though. I mean, we could get into that, but
1: well, I don't know. But yeah, but I, but I, but I do, I do see now how like all of the things that I got involved in when I was younger have opened up doors for me now, Um, and uh, so I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful that I had, you know, I grew up in a family where that was that was encouraged. Yeah,
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know your family as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that today as i was thinking about this podcast like you know i've been to parties at your family's house um i believe even at like your sister's house and you are Mm -hmm. one of the few people in my life that that is a thing like i don't there's not many people where i'm going to like a sibling's house for a party you know like it just that's not typical and i think it's a testament to how close knit your family is right like they're just you guys are so tight And, um, you know, it is something, you know, that when I was looking from the outside, um, you know, it was something that I was very uh, aware of, you know, throughout, you know, knowing you. Um, And your parents were at our wedding. Um, Yes. You were in our wedding. So that, you know, you are in in (laughs) our wedding album, I think, a couple of times. And again, you met Renee at church. um, So that was a big part, I think, of your teenage years if i gathered all that correctly yeah um one thing that you know when i first met you i believe it was college and you were at michigan in the band Yep. yes which is (laughs) incredible right it's a huge thing um a little bit of a backstory on that like how did that all come about because you know now with a senior going into college like I understand like the whole process now but like was Mm -hmm. it you know were you like trying out or like what how how did that come about where you ended up in Michigan from New Jersey in the marching band
1: well it's so funny because I had no idea what a big deal the marching band was there (laughs) like no idea and I didn't I didn't I played soccer in high school um and I but i was also in the marching band in high school but i was in the pit so i didn't have to march i just had to learn the music on my own mm-hmm. and um so i i don't know what it was about honestly like first what drew me to michigan was just a gut feeling when uh my mom and i flew out there to visit the campus and before the plane even landed i knew that that's where i was going to be it's it was the weirdest thing you know we had visited so many other colleges I think I applied to like 12 different schools because I had no idea where I wanted to go Mm -hmm. but I just felt like I was home there um and uh and I remember thinking like oh I I think I want to do marching band that would be fun having no idea what what it was like And I remember asking about it when we were, you know, doing the campus tour and they said, Oh yeah, you need to go to the marching band building. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wait, they have their own building. Not like, you know, the music campus, but no, no, they have their own building. They have their own practice field. Mm. Um, It was crazy. And we went there and they showed us a, like a promotional video just to show me what, what it was all about and later on, my mom, this is years later, my mom said, I don't, she said to me, I was thinking, I don't know what Gina's thinking. Like, this is, <laughs> she's never really marched before because it was intense. Um, but I was so glad that I did it. It was, um, it was awesome. It, you know, I did it for four years. Um, I learned a lot about um, just learning to... Learning to accept uh, defeat and rejection because unlike other programs, uh, there were only a certain amount of members that were allowed to march Mm -hmm. in the pregame and the halftime show. So you could be in the band, but you might not be performing. And I spent, I was, I think most of my freshman year, I, I was not performing at all. I went to every single practice. I was called a reserve. That's what we were called. Um, and, uh, but like constantly working on marching fundamentals, memorizing music, uh, learning the, the songs to play in the stands. Um, one time I got selected as a shadow, which meant I would follow a rank for the entire week. And then the off chance that someone got injured or overslept, I would get to perform. And that actually did happen. Someone in my rank overslept. And they were late to the morning rehearsal on game day. So I got thrown in. Nice. <laughs> so, so I got to march that one time my freshman year. Um, and then I just sort of climbed the ranks. Uh, each year I ended up being a rank leader my senior year. My junior year we went to the Rose Bowl. I got to march in the Rose Bowl parade, um, which was amazing. And we won the Rose Bowl. We won the national championship that year uh and like what what a time to be there it was it it was I one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life was was joining the marching band go blue
0: sure yeah no (laughs) I mean I it's something that I still you know think about and um you know that's pretty much when I met you I think was maybe you had come home for Thanksgiving break that freshman year or something like that and that's the first time I met you or it might have been Christmas break I don't know Mm-hmm. It's possible we were at a party at a funeral home after Christmas Eve service. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I know <laughs> right? exactly what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, that is something that I remember of you. And then the other thing early on, I'm guessing it was right after you graduated, you spent some time in France, right? Yes. Is that true? So another pretty major life move. I mean, something that is not typical of anybody else in my life what prompted that i don't think i quite know or remember
1: um a couple of things uh and not great things um <laughs> one of them was that i had just ended a very long term relationship and i needed some distance like a lot of distance because <laughs> things were getting weird that was one thing um but i I graduated from college with the intent of becoming an English teacher, Mm -hmm. and my student teaching experience was a complete nightmare. Um, I and I left that experience, and I graduated wondering if I had made the wrong decision. And a friend of mine, uh, who had graduated the year before me, had spent a year in France. Uh, working through this program uh, called um, French government, and he was stationed uh, assigned to a, a lycée, high school. And he was in Paris actually, and he worked there for the year as a foreign language assistant, uh, teaching conversational English. Mm-hmm. And I had studied some French, like I just took the you know the minimum requirement, but I that that sounded pretty amazing. So I applied for the program. Honestly, I think they would have taken anybody because <laughs> I really barely spoke any French and, uh, and I got accepted. And I remember in the application that you could um, pick your top three regions where you wanted to be placed and I just left it blank. I said, I'm just going to let the universe <laughs> decide where I end up, uh, which was pretty risky. But I, I really lucked out. I got placed in this beautiful town, La Rochelle, mm-hmm. um, like right smack in the center of the Atlantic Coast, a three hour train ride from Paris. Uh, it was so beautiful right on the water. Um this nice little town. Everybody was so friendly. Uh, I could walk everywhere. They, I lived, uh, they had housing right on the campus uh-huh. and, um, I spent, I actually ended up staying there for two years and, um, worked at a lycée Valen and I, uh, uh, taught conversational English. Essentially, I would get like small groups of students and I would trick them into speaking English by <laughs> playing word games with them and um, just trying to get them to be more comfortable conversing. And it was so much fun and a great opportunity to travel uh, and just be exposed to a completely different culture. It was it was incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, it's not an experience that a lot of people get to have. Um, we've had a couple friends live abroad uh, for extended periods of time. You are one of them. Um, we have another couple that uh, spent some time in England, and they've actually moved back to England now. Mm-hmm. They're they're living there again. Um, mm-hmm. They just up and move. But um, he had dual citizenship. So, so okay. he, his parent, you know, he, uh, he's actually a citizen of the U- UK or England and just, you know, anyway, he's there. Um, but it's not many people that I know that have that experience, but everybody that does go over there seems to really, you know, appreciate the time outside of the U S and they come back with a little bit of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. um,
0: so you came back after that and, um, after that teaching here, right? Is that Mm -hmm. the next step? Okay. So you, you, um, you kind of took that experience and I believe, uh, got the job here, married and Mm -hmm. a kid, right? And was that soon after you came back? I can't remember timing on this, but,
1: um, I met my, now my ex-husband, but we met at, um, at the school where I was teaching. He he was taken on as a maternity leave replacement about halfway through my first year. We had the same free period. Uh, So there was a a small group of us that would always hang out and um, you know, we got to spend a lot of time together, got to know each other pretty well and you know, just started hanging out, dating, fell in love, moved in together. Uh, I think we were together about a year and a half. Before we got engaged and okay. then got married the next summer. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean yeah. I, that, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that, that sounds about right, I guess. Yeah. And, and then you guys were married for a little while and you had a mm-hmm. a son and yeah. um you know, and like you said, now you're divorced, so um I just you know, I'm looking over at my list right now of things that you do living your life now so Mm -hmm. you went from married and now you're divorced you know you were a single mom for a little while um Mm -hmm. and I know now that you have a boyfriend now um Mm -hmm. but still you know raising your son you know in your house on your own and you do so much on the side um you know one thing I know that you got into early on I believe it was like right after your divorce or right around the, the time was fitness Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I just kind of remember that being something that you took on around that time. Um, how did that happen? Like how did you kind of jump into fitness because you really jumped in? And if you can just kind of give everybody that journey, I think it's an interesting one because yeah, I, yeah, I have seen some people do it, but you've really kind of gone to that next level.
1: Yeah, I didn't and I had no intention of doing it. It just sort of again, things just sort of like domino effect. Um I, uh, it started with my, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, who was really into CrossFit. And then my brother, because they were together, got really into CrossFit and I was a runner. Um, and all, that's all I did. I didn't do anything else. I literally just ran six days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, no strength training, no recovery, no mobility work, nothing. Um, and, uh, they both were encouraging me to try CrossFit, you know, find a, find a bitch, find a box near you. Uh, and around that same time, that was when I was going through my divorce and I was driving through Hawthorne, New Jersey. And then I just saw this sign, CrossFit Soar, mm-hmm. this way. And it was like, you know, and like, there's, you're like, it was a sign. It, it was a sign and literally a sign. <laughs> it's
0: like a scene out of a movie. Right, <laughs> it really was
1: like a scene out of a movie. And I was like, okay. So I, um, so I ended up uh, going there. And uh, that was also when I was training for my first marathon. Mm-hmm. So I started doing some of the strength training uh, while I was preparing for the marathon. And then, um, and then I just sort of, I I stayed with CrossFit for a little bit. And then that next summer, so this is probably about four months after the marathon, I was, I was really struggling. Uh, You know, the, the separation, the divorce, it was, it was tough on me. I know it was tough on my ex. It was really hard on my son. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying to date, uh, very unsuccessfully. It was not going well. Um, and that just kind of, you know, like eats away at your ego and your self-esteem. Um, and, uh, so one of my really close friends that I work with, Christine, she had, uh, just started going to this yoga studio that was in her town, Yoga Haven in Oakland. It's, it's closed now, but, um, she said, you should try it out. They have this beginner's package. You know, you get so many, uh, classes for this low price. She knew I was on a really strict budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never done yoga before. And I was like, all right, you know, cause I thought, well, it seems kind of hippy dippy and whatever, but sure I'll try it. And I, so I went to my first class and it ended up just being me and the instructor, So it ended up being more of like a a private yoga session, Mm -hmm. and I walked away from that session feeling amazing, (laughs) like so good, so calm, and so grounded. And I hadn't felt like that in a really, really long time. Um, so I kept coming back, and then the next year I was training for my second marathon, and so I was doing the running, um, some strength training with CrossFit and then the yoga. And I noticed this huge difference. So like the first marathon that I ran after I, I couldn't move for like two weeks, Sure, <laughs> like, like stairs were painful. The thought of, forget running like walking somewhere it it took so much of me to move from like just a few feet this way or that way it took two weeks for me to feel normal again um but then the second time a second marathon when I had been doing yoga like once or twice a week and I'm not even exaggerating two days after the marathon I felt completely fine yeah and and that was when I that's sort of like the first domino, you know, although I shouldn't say domino, that sounds like my life was falling apart. It wasn't, it was like, I don't know what another analogy would be, but I, I started to think, wait, does anybody else know about this? Like, is this, I thought like I was special. Like I had discovered something when I'm sure obviously many people know about the benefits of yoga and, and, you know, I think all athletes should be doing it. And then I thought I all of a sudden I just had this really strong feeling that I should get my certification and then work with athletes. Sure. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's when I um, registered for the 200 hour teacher training. And uh, a year later I was certified. And then that just started to open up all these other doors because then um, a friend of mine at my high school uh, was, he coached, uh, winter and spring track and one of the coaches had left. And so they needed to fill that spot. And so he approached me and said, you know, I know you run, you know, you're a runner, you have the yoga background. I'd really like to have you on staff. So then I ended up, um, joining the, the coaching staff at my high school for spring track and then I thought, well, if I'm going to be working with these runners, and I think they should be doing strength training because they weren't, and I was just sort of teaching them like what I knew for my CrossFit classes, I thought, I I really should, I want to make sure I know what I'm telling them and I'm doing it correctly. So yeah. then I got my L1 uh, that next summer.
0: Sure. For anybody and- that doesn't know what that is, that's CrossFit level one. Right. trainer. <laughs> so there's multiple levels of CrossFit trainers. So that's just, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the
1: L one that's like the that's like the base that's like the base level, um, and uh, so I did that, and then um, I was on staff at my CrossFit gym because they had brought me on to teach yoga, and then I got my L one. And then the owner of the gym asked if I'd be interested in coaching CrossFit. And I said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was in a mode where I was just saying yes to everything. was sure that would be great. So so then I interned at the gym and then I became a – then I was coaching at the gym. Um, And, uh, yeah, so that was sort of like – all of a sudden I, I was involved in all of these things with fitness. And, and then I would stop and think, wait, I'm, I'm a high school English teacher. What am I doing? <laughs> but it's really become, it's really become a passion for me. Um, you know, and that's what I, I'm, I'm already like counting down to my retirement, you know, 10 yeah. years. And then I, I want that, to, that's my second career. I just want to do this more full time in some capacity. So.
0: Right. I mean, just to recap, uh, yoga instructor, CrossFit coach, and then a winter and spring track coach, yes. which is just incredible. Like if that's just all that you were doing outside of teaching, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then, you know, you're adding in, you know, mom, and then mm-hmm. you're a girlfriend and your family and you do a couple other things. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but, um, you know, I just wanted to get back to yoga. I... I started some fitness stuff uh I don't know it's it it was about 4 years ago now um it was after my mom passed um you know all that kind of wrapped up I I you know it was a pretty tough year after she died just wrapping up her estate and dealing with like a bunch of legal nonsense um I'll probably get into that at some point on this podcast I haven't really gotten into it mm-hmm. um but you know it was hard enough when she died and then having to go through like court, you know, I had to go to court and like sit up on a witness stand. And it was just a lot of nonsense to deal with after that process. Right. So, you know, Renee was exhausted. I was exhausted, but I knew I had to do something and I jumped into CrossFit. Um, I had heard you talking about it and there was enough people talking about it where I was like, okay, I gotta, Mm -hmm. I gotta do something. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we, I was going with Winston and then the pandemic hit and now we have the equipment in the garage um I don't really do it as much as I should mm-hmm. um Winston's kind of transitioned more to just straight weight training mm-hmm. which is is really good to see um sure. you know he supplements that like with through his, you know cuz of soccer and then track and Desmond will even go down there and use the the weights a little bit you know <laughs> he's 11 you know but <laughs> but they they both utilize it which i think is awesome and mm-hmm. then um a couple weeks ago somebody that i work not with but you know in my industry he wanted to do some networking and he said let's do some hot yoga and i was like mm-hmm. oh, well, all right sure <laughs> um and i went and did hot yoga um and and the only other yoga i ever done was like uh, restorative or something very calm, right? Like I was in like mm-hmm. three, three positions for like an hour. Like it just yeah, was that's like, like restorative. Yeah. It was very, very easy. So I was like, yeah. I got this. It's hot. It was crazy hard. Um, yeah. it was, um, so I guess there's three different types of hot yoga. One where the, the floor heats up one where the ceiling heats up. And then there's like one where there's like a, an outside fan, but I, this was the ceiling one. So the thing was like right over me. It was like 95 degrees in there and just really hard to hold those positions. So I can see how there's a benefit for like the recovery and the, mm-hmm. you know, just the stretching and you're just so much more, um, mobile if you can do that on a, a regular basis. Um, and yeah. I, yeah. And just to kind of bring it into the recovery sphere, um, the other day I was at a, uh, we had, I had a retreat, uh, where I do some part-time work and a woman came in and they do 12 step yoga. So, um, there's this whole group, um, it's like 12 step yoga group. So it kind of wraps in the principles of AA, Mm -hmm. um, and yoga. And I guess there's a lot of it tied together. She was kind of going through some of the history and one of the founders of AA did kind of go into the, like the yoga stuff and, you know, they pulled from different religions and, um, there is a lot of overlap, and um, so they, they run these like meeting slash yoga sessions um, where people in recovery go and and they'll start out with like little, you know, share and then they go into the yoga. And I think it is an interesting thing because it puts you in a different mindset. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody looking, I'm sure you can search around. It's 12-step yoga and different locations do it, you know, different yoga studios as well as recovery centers. So um
1: that's so cool i love that i love that that exists
0: yeah and then there's also stuff with crossfit too and recovery so Mm -hmm. there's a couple groups that do uh you know there's a couple crossfit studios that will offer free uh sessions on certain days of the week for people in recovery um and then you know just uh actually just like straight up recovery based boxes too that are popping up so it is nice to see sort of that overlap and understanding how much this physical activity like it can help you through Mm -hmm. you know mental child you know issues right like I'm sure that was a huge help for you as you were going through like you were saying like it was a hard time and then you found this tool of like fitness right so like you were running and then you were all of a sudden you're doing strength training and then yoga and all of that was helping your mental state and then all of a sudden you're you know years later and you're completely different spot you know, in life. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. yeah. I mean that's a hundred percent accurate. I I think, and and each of the things gave me something different. You know, like running. I loved running because it was, for me, it was the one time where I could just be by myself and I wasn't needed by anybody. And I, and I would go on really long runs. So that's like that was a time for me to process all of the, the junk that was going on in my brain, you know, and, and try to sift through um, and prioritize, like, what do I really need to worry about? Um, I think CrossFit helped me um, feel stronger, both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think something that I struggled with for a really long time and, and I still do is that I, 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 always felt weak in some way. You know, I never, I never really tapped into that inner strength that I think we all have. And CrossFit gave me the tools to do that. Um, And then yoga helped me center myself and and ground myself. And, And, you know, one of the things, whenever I lead a session, you know, we always start with a meditation. And one of the things I always say is, um, you know, when first we start by being present and acknowledging our surroundings and the environment we're in, you know, the, the temperature of the air, the, the sounds that are filling the room or the space. And then when I ask them to start turning the, their gaze or their attention inward, you know, check in with your body, how are you feeling physically? Um, and then we turn to the mind and, and, I, and I always say those, those racing thoughts that you have, those nagging thoughts, you can't force them out. I, I personally don't think it's possible to just shut down. I, I can't right. do it. So um, I, I would never force anyone else or insist that they do it. But I always say, you know, those thoughts that are just running through your head, you can't, you can't shut them down. You have to let them run their course. You know, with every inhale, acknowledge one of those thoughts that's not serving you in this moment. And with your exhale, just let it go. Um, and then, and what's beautiful about a yoga practice, and, and I would say the same for any physical activity, uh, you become so focused on your movement, and being present with your body, that you don't, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, <laughs> you're not fixated on those other things, you right. know, there it's it's a chance for you to I really let go of, of the things that are weighing you down in the moment. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's that, that mental piece there. I mean, there's also the science behind it, you know, (laughs) with all of the, you know, all of the chemicals in the body that are coursing through you and, and making you feel better. And, uh, and I think that's all, that's all important. I, I, I always, I honestly feel like, and I'm not an expert, but I, I I think that everybody should find a way to move,
0: you know? It's so important. I mean, you know, movement is, you know, we were made to move. Mm -hmm. I think we all kind of live a pretty, you know, sitting, you know, we're sitting a lot now and we're not doing Mm -hmm. as much as we used to, you know? um, I can see it specifically with my youngest. Like if he doesn't move, it's over by like six, six o'clock. Like he just is like, unbearable like to to have a, you know you can see that his need to move he lit, like literally you can just like look at him and go that person needs movement right and like you can kind of tell when people need to do something and mm-hmm. you know for me I know when I was doing CrossFit in the gym because it was just a different intensity in the gym than it is at home right. like mm-hmm. I would come home and I would have no ability to have that kind of like anxiousness. Like it was all gone, right? I worked that all out. It was, it wasn't there. And then the next day, if I didn't go back, I was tired enough typically where it's like, okay, I'm, a, you know, I don't need to move like today. Right. <laughs> like I got it. Um, I moved yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My body was like, okay, don't move. Um, but you know, I think that is, it's true. Like we all need to do something physically. Mm-hmm. And if you can do something physically, you know, multiple times a week you're in a much Mm -hmm. better spot and as we get older i mean i'm not i'm not getting any younger my body's not getting any stronger you know it's 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 trying to deteriorate quick so like we need to help it stay stay good right um there's science behind that you anybody can go listen to andrew huberman's podcast and he will gladly talk to you for four hours at a clip about why you need to move um Mm -hmm. i don't know all his stuff so go go that way um (laughs) <laughs> you know, the other thing I will say about all the classes, and and I'm sure that you get this out of, you know, yoga classes, coaching, and then the CrossFit classes are the community, This is the community aspect, right? Like, I know that that's something that I get out of it. Um, as somebody who coached you sports, like, you get sort of that feedback, and you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the CrossFit gym, you know, just that camaraderie, and then in, I'm sure in the yoga studio, there's its it's its own vibe, but that's an important part of you know, being a human too, is having that, that sense of community. And we don't, I don't think we get it enough yeah. in, in modern life anymore. I think it's kind of a little bit broken. And I think that these places are where people are getting it now, you know, yeah. in the past, maybe we did get it at, you know, you went to youth group, right. At mm-hmm. the church, at, at, you know, at a Presbyterian church, I went to youth group at a Presbyterian church, literally the Presbyterian church is why I am married and have a family. I don't go to church anymore, right? Yeah. But like as a teenager, that was an important part of my life. Yeah. And it's just very strange. Like, and and I don't know, personally, I don't know that many people that go yeah. to, to church anymore on a regular basis. I mean, people will go for like special events and, you know, um, but like, that's why I have my family. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's so weird that I just don't, it's not part of my life anymore. But, um, you know, I'll pay you know, a hundred dollars or $150 a month to have a sense of community. And, mm-hmm. it, and it could be, you know, I could have the same thing for, for free, yeah. you know, in a different way. Um, yeah. But I think that's all important stuff.
1: Um, well, I, I definitely feel that, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, like, because same as you, like I, you know, when we were in high school, youth group choir, I went to church every Sunday. I've never been baptized actually, but I, you know, I, middle school, high school. This was my community. I, this was my, these were my friends. This was my people. And, um, and then I went to college and I I never went to church again, (laughs) but I, and I remember when I started really getting into running and this was after probably a year after I had my son, I would go for runs Sunday mornings and I would run by the, you know, the, the church that was in Hawthorne. And people would be coming in and out, you know, so I'd be like passing, you know, like maybe before mass or after mass. And I remember saying to myself, part of me would feel bad that I don't go to church anymore. But then I, I would say to myself, well, this run, this is my church right now. I, you know, I, I think I've i i I've made peace with the idea that I, I think I'm still a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think there are a lot of different ways that you can um be spiritual and i you know and and if and if for for one person it's going to church every sunday that's beautiful i i what i loved about church was being surrounded by people who just wanted to be good people yes you know and yeah. and I, I think that's beautiful
0: yeah and that was yeah. the, that was the same on my end right they were all people mm-hmm. who and i'm listen i'm friends with a lot of them still you know mm-hmm. like there's a lot of those people that are in uh, my life today, which is incredible if yeah. you can you know that's a long time ago you know for a lot of people you don't hold on to friends from high school right um you know and and we have you know those friends in our lives um we don't we i don't go to church I mean my mom was a youth minister I mean she was as you know, churchy as somebody could be. And I, I didn't know I, that. Yes. Yes. Oh, she wow. she, was, she was. She was um she was incredibly religious and it was something that I think I pushed away mm-hmm. um as she dove deeper into it. You know, a lot of that came out of her recovery um when she went into AA. And so she um she went back to college and she got, you know, a degree in theology. Uh, and then like focused on youth ministry, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, so she worked at the local church and, uh, she was there for years and she did a lot of good there. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the church itself was something that I kind of pushed away. Um, I think both my brothers went and did like all the classes and all that stuff. I did not, um, <laughs> she really wanted us to get, uh, Winston, uh, like baptized there christened whatever it is christened i don't even know see i don't even know the term I,
1: mean, I feel like it's the same thing what,
0: yeah What? whatever yeah. they do in the catholic church you the water <laughs> yeah head. yeah like that was a big <laughs> deal right so i remember like she was like you yeah, know we need to have this done and we're Like, no it's not happening so you know there was a, a weird spot there um but we do tend to you know be sp- spiritual it's just that we don't go to the formalized you know church atmosphere and sometimes I think about it but then it just kind of it's one of those thoughts that kind of comes in and out real quick and it never really Mm -hmm. sticks but the sense of community I think is important but we've gotten it elsewhere right Mm -hmm. so we get it through the kids sports and you know again my coaching so we have this big community that way and I think just having that community um, and then the movement like you're talking about like if you can get those two things into your life you're Mm -hmm. like so far ahead of everybody else from a just a well being standpoint, right? Like having those two things just really set you up for some type of success. Um, yeah. the other things that you do, so there's a couple other well, there's two other things. So one I'm just gonna say went to see you in a band. Like a yeah. like a band band, not the marching yeah. band, right? So like you you stopped marching band and then now you're in a band and you were singing, I believe, and playing bass guitar I
1: I did learn how to play bass on like three songs because okay. yeah. <laughs> we we went through a period where we didn't have a bass player I forget what happened um we had oh because our bass player left because he had uh, he had his own band so he wanted to focus on that more so we were without a bass player so I learned I learned some basics very basics on bass. Um, I learned a little guitar mm-hmm. um I mostly rocked a tambourine <laughs> that, was, that was my okay <laughs> that was my instrument of choice but and then i and then I sang yeah that yeah. was a that was a good time yeah that was fun
0: yeah and you played like local bars and but it was fun yeah. and it was like a lot of teachers if I remember correctly and
1: uh, yeah, yeah it was um uh teachers in our principal and vice principal, um, and, uh, school, uh, social worker. And, um, yeah, so we were, uh, uh, it was a charity band. So we, we call for any teachers that are listening. Our band was called, uh, SG overdrive. So if you're a teacher, you you'll get the joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, we would raise money for scholarships for students. So every, um Anything we made on uh, any of our gigs went back to the kids so it was it was a lot of fun it um that with um, so many other things kind of died out with the pandemic. Yeah. unfortunately, I think that there's a few members left but i I'm not in it anymore um, because I'm so busy coaching track <laughs> I just don't have the time for it, which is sad. I miss singing I miss performing and i I miss my bandmates but um You know, sometimes you gotta, you have to start like taking things off your plate, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't do everything. And, you know, again, we've already said, you know, all these other things and you have a podcast and it it is, um, you know, it's an interesting premise. It's a little bit different than my podcast. So, uh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you could give people the name of the podcast and then kind of what you talk about, I, you know, I think it's very interesting how, how you both were on that podcast. So, but give people sort of the info on your show.
1: Yeah. So, uh, podcast is called Nope Never Saw It. It's a movie podcast. And, uh, I, uh, I do it with my friend Sonia, uh, who I've known, um, probably for like 16, 17 years now. And, uh, Sonia does not like watching movies at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I love movies. I like, I, I, I remember learning that I, that was how I, my parents would potty train me. Like if I went in the potty, they would let me watch Mary Poppins or Grease. Those were like my two favorite movies. So it makes sense to me that I (laughs)
0: love
1: film from a very early age it was my reward for doing something uh and uh um that's probably too much information but I said it anyway uh so sorry um yeah so uh anyway so Sonia doesn't like movies I like movies every time I would bring up a movie or quote a movie she'd have no idea what I was talking about and we had always joked about having our own podcast and be like, Oh, it'd just be us talking and uh, Mm -hmm. everyone will love it. No one would love that. Uh, and then one day we were, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I mentioned Pulp Fiction and she didn't get the reference. And I was like, Pulp Fiction. And she goes, and I was like, have you not seen that? She's like, Gina, you know, I haven't seen that movie. And then all of a sudden I said, this is what our podcast needs to be. It needs to be me making you watch a movie and then we talk about it uh, so, so that's what it is. So Nope never saw it because Sonia has never seen anything. Although now she's seen 50 movies because we just recorded our, our 50th episode. Yes. Um, and, uh, it's, it's so much fun. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome because it's, you know, we're a close friends. So it's a chance for us to have this like little project together. And, uh, I love watching movies. I love talking about movies. So she's really the good sport here because I'm making her do something that she doesn't really want to do. But it's always a fun conversation. She's brutally honest about what she thinks about the movies that we watch. So it's it's a lot of fun.
0: It is a good, and it's a good premise, right? Um, and you guys run it really well with sort of the information, the deep dive that you do on the movies. And, you know, you're kind of making links between, you know, actors and stuff. And the the idea of you know, I think I've heard her kind of give her premise of what she thought the movie would be like, yes, and then see how close it actually is just based yeah. on the title. Um, very funny stuff, I you know. Um, and the movies that she hasn't seen, quite incredible. I mean, I, I, I like movies too, so you know, the <laughs> fact that there, some of them I'm like, wow, how did she not see that one? Like, you know, yeah, like, I, it is, but that's some people, right? Like, you know, everybody does different things, so she spends her time, I guess. I don't know, reading. I'm not sure.
1: Uh, going to fish concerts. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. Those are very long. <laughs> it's a lot of time.
1: It's <laughs> a lot of time. They're jam bands. They, they go on for a while.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like four songs. And it's like five yeah. hours. I shouldn't make fun of jam bands. <laughs> I like jam bands. I know you do. <laughs> it's like my brother's whole livelihood. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's um, you know, but I think it is it's interesting that you have that as well, right? So like you really have kind of like made this whole arc, like, you know, it was like marching band and then, you know, going out of the country teaching, you know, and then the fitness and and but still kind of keeping this creative undertone with with the the, the teacher band and the podcast and it's like you really have kind of maintained this, this very full life. And again, you know, you're juggling being a mom and, you know, all these other roles, like you have a lot on your plate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, in my podcast, I try to talk about like, you know, if you live your life, like sometimes in recovery, what happens is people get so focused on being in recovery. Mm -hmm. So it's like their only thing, right? Like, you know, I'm in recovery. So like, I'm just going to just you know, not drinking, that's all my life is going to be about or not do drugs. And I'm just going to go to meetings. And, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you got to do all the other stuff. I remember, you know, I think you were at our house. We had a pig roast at our house, our old house in the backyard. Mm -hmm. You were there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was early in sobriety at that point. And I had a friend at the time who was also in recovery. And, um, I told him that we were doing this pig roast. And he's like, that's an awful idea. You can't have people at your house, you know, drinking and having fun. And that's not good for you. And I was like, or i can continue to live my life Mm -hmm. and like isn't that why i'm not drinking like you know like the other option was continue to drink and i have no life Mm -hmm. you know and now i want to embrace it fully and like the next day he was like how could you do that you were like eating a pig's eyeball that's like you're gonna fall you know fall right off and i think at that point i'm like okay like i have to make sure that i live my life so Mm -hmm. i want people to know like you can fill your life up with a lot of stuff, and continue to still meet your responsibilities of work, mm-hmm. you know, motherhood, fatherhood, but, but you know, do meaningful things outside of just like, outside of just that, right? Some people are like, all they can do is work, be a father, and and do recovery. It's like, no, you can also coach a, a track team. And learn how to, you know, be a yoga instructor and have a podcast. And all of a sudden, like, you're filling your life up. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to be doing, I think. Yeah. You know, not just sitting around. Like, we get one swing at this and it's short. It is a short life. I mean, you don't really know when it's over. So I try to do my best to to fill it up, right? I mean, it seems like that's what you're doing, too
1: yeah no absolutely i i i i i agree i mean i and i've started to um i mean you know my my father passed away uh i think it's been it's been man has it been like five years six years now it's just it still feels like you know even, yeah. you know just, it just still feels so fresh you know it does um but i i that that loss um It really made me, it was the first time I really understood, okay, you know, we really don't know how much time we have. We really, um, we, we can do everything we can to prolong our lives, but, um, I mean, we just don't know. So yeah, like fill it with the things that bring you joy. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, Marie Kondo, your life, <laughs> do, the that, right. do the things that spark joy and, and the things that don't thank them and then let it go. And um, I was going to say something, there was something else that you had mentioned before, and I wanted to piggyback on it. And now I can't remember what it was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I to your point <laughs> though, you know, when I think for people, you know, one, when you lose a parent, I think that's the moment that Because I've lost people before my mom, but I don't know that it had an impact on me of, like, I have to do something to, like, make sure that I'm living my life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that I had that direct kind of correlation between it, but then, like, when my mom passed and for you when your dad passed it, for some reason it just resonates a little bit more, right, when it's somebody that close in your your family, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just... It is an eye-opening thing. It's a shame that it takes something like that sometimes. But I try to look at that as like, okay, that's the takeaway. Or like that's, you know, if I could take anything positive out of this experience, it's like it reminded me, like, okay, like live your life, you know. And um, I think in our house, that just kind of rippled through our house too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure it kind of rippled through your whole family, right, Um, as well. Um, Yeah. Anyway it was, uh, yeah, they were both like back to back. It was very close.
1: They were, they were very close. Yeah. 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 I don't
0: don't remember exactly the timing, but, um, yeah. So for, for me again, really, this is kind of an outcome of like live your life. Like I kind of had been on that course anyway and, Mm -hmm. and then like that kind of amplified it even more. So the things that are important to me. So, you know, I went and got my, my recovery coaching, um, certificate soon after that. And, you know, um, you know, tend to eat a little bit more sweets now. <laughs> <laughs> more sweets or less sweets? More. No, le- less overall, but more than I had been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. I don't deny myself. You yeah. Know? Like, it's like, okay, I'm out to dinner and there's a good dessert menu. I'm going to order dessert. Like, and that's yes. the kind of stuff that I think is important to do. Right. It's like, you know, in my eulogy, I said like, you know, just eat the donut. Like why, you know, why are you going to deny yourself these like little things? Like in the end, it's not going to matter that much, you know? And, um, you know, we try to be, uh, smart, you know, obviously I I have to be smart about, you know, you know, indulging in things. It's just, Mm -hmm. I am, I'm can go overboard, but, um, I try to try to have fun. You know, and that's that's the beauty of life is having fun and finding joy, you know, and and we are still learning. And Mm -hmm. that's why I have this podcast to learn from people like you um, and how you do it, you know, and then hopefully somebody else will go out and get their yoga teaching (laughs) license or CrossFit level one or something, you know, and I I think it just inspiring people to do more is, is really the trick. And that's what you're doing for for everybody around you as a teacher and as a coach you're inspiring like that next generation to to do that stuff I think so
1: I hope so (laughs) Uh, yeah
0: you are you are I mean I think you know that right you probably get feedback from kids at this point some kids have graduated and come back
1: yeah I mean yeah I do see kids here and there not as much um well no I do they they i not a lot of kids come back to the high school, but, um, but the ones that do that, I do get to talk to. Yeah. They're, they're always very sweet. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to hear, uh, that they enjoyed my class or, um, or they love track or, uh, you know, it's, um, but it's, it's one of those, I mean, teaching is one of those jobs. It's pretty, it's thankless. And I don't mean to say that in a bitter way, you know, I'm, I, I'm happy to do it. I love what I do, but you know, I don't do it um because I want my students to love me.
0: Right. Right. right <laughs> you right, know, and right,
1: right. do it because I mean it kind of fulfills a lot of those things that, you know, we had talked about before, the you know, the that create that creativity urge that I have. Um and, and having that community, you know, it's at my, you know, my my classroom, those are small communities. My my friends at work, that's a community. Um mm-hmm. You know, there's there are all of those things that that we've been talking about, um, the things that that bring you joy, that fill your life. I I'm lucky that I have a career that that does check all those boxes. Does it drive me crazy sometimes? Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Every job does. Sure. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I love what
0: I do. Good. Yeah. Well, that being said, I know you wake up early. So I have one question, kind of like a group of questions that I like to ask at the end is, um, you know, what, and it it could be anything, movie, Mm -hmm. TV, book, music, you know, if you could leave us with a couple of things that are really piquing your interest, like right now in that realm of the, uh, sort of the arts, um, some recommendations.
1: Oh gosh. Um, I, uh, Oh, that's a really good question. About this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, you know, it's funny that last year I, um, I actually uh, decided to get an actual like paid subscription to Spotify. So I don't have to hear commercials. Yes. Um, and I, and I started a playlist last year, new to me, 2022. So any music that I, any song I heard on the radio or on TV that I really, really like that, Sparked joy that you know for whatever reason it was like I want to hear the song all the time. I would add it to that list, uh-huh. and then at the end of the year, I was noticing you know there were certain bands that I um, kept coming back to, um, like uh, it LCD Sound System, um, Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Yes. You know these are probably bands that other people have heard of, but for me, I've never heard of them, um, which I'm embarrassed to say. The heavy heavy,
0: I really like them. First
1: Aid Kit. Uh, You know, so I'm, I'm like really into those bands right now. Um, I, my, my guilty pleasure is Love is Blind on Netflix. I, I cannot get enough of that reality show. (laughs) Okay. Um, it's like total trash, but I, you know, I, I just need to, um, let me see what else. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking like television shows, um, uh,
0: severance
1: on Apple TV. I
0: haven't seen that one.
1: I think that's what it's called. It's with, um, Adam Scott. It's amazing. Uh, and, um, uh, uh, shrinking their, their first season. Um, that was a great show. Um, what have I read? I, I read the recently read The Midnight Library and the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, um, both books I could not put down. Um, and uh, I've been on a reading kick because I've been doing a lot of independent reading with my students this year, and they're all reading these really cool books and they're making recommendations for me. So now I have this super long list uh, that I'm, you know, trying to get through. And i people, you know, I got a lot of books as gifts for Christmas and my birthday. Um, am I answering your question? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, you're giving us a ton here. I'm sure people are going to pick up on it. And I, and I always put it in the show notes too. So um, that is good that you have your students doing independent reading because I have a uh, a current gripe with fifth grade reading. So mm-hmm. I hope it gets better. I am like, so upset at how they teach kids in fifth grade how to read. I'm struggling really hard with it as a parent and just watching my kid with zero attention span, try to read a story about, you know, a farmer in Ecuador and then Mm -hmm. answer five multiple choice questions and then get like a 60 because he couldn't, you know, hold his attention. It's like, no kidding. He can't hold his attention on that story. It's a junk story for a fifth grader. You know, it's like, there's gotta be a better way. Um,
1: yeah. You know, I, yeah I um I, a couple of years ago i I started to I would say maybe about five years ago I started to change my whole um, approach to reading I mean I teach high school and I, and I, I usually I teach juniors and seniors mostly um, and upper level students and even at that level i'm not I'm not saying that they don't have the reading skills they do but they don't read
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I don't blame them because I think that I think that the you know, the books that we're giving them to read aren't relevant to them, really. Like, we think they're relevant because they're part of the canon, but right. we're not not all of these kids are going to be English majors in college. So I, I've i been sort of on this um, mission to get my students to enjoy reading again. So, um, I, I like, the last year or two, I've been trying something different where instead of having, like... novel study where everyone's reading the same book um it's just um ongoing independent reading throughout the year and they're like little projects and stuff like you know like i had them do a book talk with their book once or they have to write like a review or um uh, i had them do i stole this idea from another teacher uh in my, in my building, uh, she said I could. I didn't just like, you know, sneakily mm-hmm. take it from mm-hmm. her. <laughs> I said, can I do this too? But they had to like pick groups and they had book groups and they had to pick a book, but it had to be a book that had not been made into a movie. And then they had to read the book and then present a movie pitch to the class. Like, this is who would star in the, in the film version. These are the changes we would make. This, these are the aesthetics. This is what it's going to look like. And this is who's going to direct it. And um, you know, things like that, just to make it more or less painful than, than I think it is for them, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but
1: I am seeing that they're, you know, they'll, they're, re- you know, and I give them time to read in class. Um, and then like, they'll finish a book and they'll be like, is it okay if I bring in another book to read? Yes, of course. You know, like, I think they want to do it, but they just feel like they're not allowed to read the things that might interest them. So Why rob them of that opportunity um, by forcing them to read something that they're not interested in? Like, I'm happy to expose them to or make suggestions, but if they don't even enjoy reading in the first place, why am I going to force them to read in cold blood? I think it's a great book, but, you know, like they might not enjoy it. I don't know.
0: Right. It's not going to resonate with everybody. Um, And I think now it's really hard to grab people's attention in general. Right. Everything is so short form. So now you're going to say, okay, read a book that's going to take you, you know, three hours, four hours, whatever it is to finish. Mm -hmm. That's daunting, Mm -hmm. you know, and oh, and you're not going to enjoy it at all yeah. <laughs> like, you know like that and is i'm like, gonna
1: give you a test on it and you yeah. have to memorize the whole thing <laughs> it's
0: awful it's awful yeah. and it's a, you know it's such an important skill like i talked to our older son about it and i tried every which way to get him to read like short form essays or books that he might like or something mm-hmm. and i said it's important because one it teaches you different ways to write so you're going to mm-hmm. pick up on different writing techniques the okay. different ways to communicate like by reading other people's thoughts and how they express them, you get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you're doing a great service in that. And, you know, your movie pitch idea, you're like, you're bridging two different skill sets there, right? You're, you got public speaking, you got reading, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I don't know. I just don't think like, hey, read a story you don't like and take a test is the best way to get anybody to enjoy reading. And I think we do have to do better. I mean, I myself, if I sit down and read and start, I can fall right into it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just starting now is the hard part. Cause our attention is pulled in mm-hmm. so many different facets, um, yeah. you know, and then book on tape, right. Is kind of like, okay, like I get it. Like if you can do that, sure. Um, I don't, I don't have an audible subscription. I, you know, I listen to podcasts, so I don't know that mm-hmm. I can listen to a book on tape. I know Spotify has them now, but you gotta buy them, I guess um i'm, I'm
1: not i'm not big on like the audible books i I want to hold the book in my hand
0: yeah, yeah 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 me too i even have kindles and i don't i can't quite get into the kindle either mm-hmm. like i need a book yeah um so that being said uh, well, well a couple of things lcd mm-hmm. sound system great band the heavy mm-hmm. heavy great band they just had a. I uh i just saw them on instagram they had a live performance up in maine so um yeah that is a band that is big in our family right now um my stepfather my stepfather is a big heavy heavy fan and um so those are good ones um i am going to give two recommendations this week one is a show an older show but i'm drinking out of a mug today the rosebud motel mug and that is schitt's (laughs) creek um which is one of our favorite shows i
1: love that show
0: (laughs) it is it is so good um You know, after I watched it, I just thought, okay, this show is like, it is about, you know, the importance of family and Mm -hmm. like that, just kind of wrapping it back to this idea of community, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you know, they lose everything. But I think through that, they find out that, you know, their community and their family is so much more important than their fortune. And Mm -hmm. it it really resonated with me, like, oh, if everything falls apart, it's still going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. I have my family and you can always find like these these friends, right? Like Chris Elliott, you know, I forget his name. But it's like he becomes a good friend and he's like just some crazy, you know, character in town. And, you know, yeah. it's just it's it's a very sweet show with some great stories in it. So I really like that one. And um, a book, this is a real random book and nobody's going to read it, but um, it's Delirious New York and it's by Rem Koolhaas it's a book about like the history of Manhattan through architecture. So Rem Koolhaas is an architect and he writes this story about, or this book about like the development of Manhattan and New York. So if you, first, if you could find a copy of it, good for you. It's really hard. I'm sure it's at a library, but it's an interesting history of, um, you know, the development of the Island of New York. So those are my two this week. Um, again, everything will be linked in the the show notes as well as Gina's podcast. <laughs> Which everybody should listen to, and um you know, I thank you for being on. I know it's a little late at night for you, and um <laughs> but I appreciate it, and I think it it's gonna you know help a, a bunch of people out, specifically, just the idea of like get out and move, you know yeah. it's super important, you know, find your thing and just do it you know? yeah and and even just
1: walking, just do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah, and you you tried so many different things, and like you took something from everything. So it's like, just do it, just go do yeah. it, you know? And then it's that easy, you know, it's really just get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. So um, again, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Well, um,
1: oh, Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. I don't think I ever really get a chance to just talk to you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we don't get to talk much, right? It's, it's kind of always like distracted.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this, this was really fun. I it love it. Was, it was. All right, Gina, we'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay.